do is come. You can. Once you're born again, God is good all the time. He's good. He's not like a mean daddy, earthly daddy that we had. He's like a good earthly daddy. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, I believe I've got a message that God wants us to receive this morning. And uh, just so you know, this didn't come off of the internet, y'all. I've never done that in my life. Don't intend to start. And most of the time, what I preach to you, well... <laughs> I'd say pretty much all the time. It's something that God has worked in my life. Something that God has shown me. I mean, God just kind of gets on my case and I just pass it on. Amen. And uh, so that, that's where this message is, is coming from. And it is going to be a message on prayer. Specifically on the Lord's Prayer. It's what we call it. And that's where we're going to go. But before we do that, if you've got your Bible with you, hold it up. You know it. By now, you ought to be able to do this in your sleep. Pastor, why do we do that? Because you need it. And I need it. Because we need to make a positive confession that this is what God is doing in our lives. So say it out loud with me. This is my Bible. It's God's Holy Word. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. So I boldly confess. My mind is renewed. My body is healed. I'm saved by God's grace. And live by His Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. You know, when, when you speak about prayer... I believe God has always desired fellowship, communion, conversation. If you're a young person, God wants to hang out with you. Amen. We're the ones that run away from God. Now, let, let me give you a little bit of background, and I think it'll help you. In Genesis 3.8... The Bible speaking of Adam and Eve, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Yeah. Really, there, there's, there's an understanding in, in God's Word. Before they sinned, Adam and Eve enjoyed fellowship direct fellowship with God. Now exactly how that looked, exactly how that was, I don't know. But they walked with God in the cool of the, gar of the evening in the garden. But it says that they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. That was something new. Because of sin, they turned away from God. Hmm. And you jump to Genesis 4, 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain 
brought the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth. Wroth was just, he was mad. And his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? You know, the thing that amazes me, I mean, this is, there's been some time passing that has passed since Adam and Eve sinned, since Adam and Eve were driven from the garden. Eve now has had children, Cain and Abel at least, if not more, that we're just not told about, perhaps daughters. But Cain and Abel had been born, and here are Cain and Abel, and they're literally having a conversation with God Himself. Now, wait a minute. They've already been driven from the garden so they would not eat of the tree of life and remain eternally in a lost condition. But... Here they are having a conversation with God. Cain and Abel having a conversation directly with God. And you don't read anything in there that that to them seems abnormal or strange. I believe God was still wanting to fellowship with man. And the point is, is that we're the ones who turned away from God. Mankind, people have... have, We've stopped trying to fellowship with God. We're the ones that because again of sin, we turn away from God. Now let me give you another example. Genesis chapter 5, verse 22. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. And he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. (laughs) Well, what would Social Security do with you then? Okay, but it says Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Enoch walked with God. Enoch fellowshiped with God. Enoch Spent time in God's presence. And kind of like the old preachers used to say, there was one day God said, well, we're closer to my house than we are yours. Let's just go to my house. Look in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20, verse 18. Now, quite a bit of time has gone by now. Now you've had the whole tribe of Israel. They've been in Egyptian bondage. God's been, God God has set them free. Man, it'd take a long time to go into that, but they've already been now delivered out of Egypt, were slaves for over 400 years. And when they got out of there, God said, I'm going to come down on the mountain And I'm going to talk to everybody. And in verse 18 of Exodus 20, And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, 
They removed. Now that's, that's King James. They removed. They ran the other directions what they did. And stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us and we'll hear. In other words, Moses, you talk to us, but let not God speak to us lest we die. God wasn't going to kill them. That was their thought. God wanted, when God brought them out of Egyptian bondage, God wanted to fellowship with the whole bunch. And God just had to, I mean, it was just... It's Wilsonology, okay? But I mean, God kind of stepped down on the mountain and the mountain shook it. Man, God was having a party about it. Glory to God, my people are free. And the people all ran from Him. And that's basically what took place. God still desires fellowship with us. Prayer is where we fellowship and commune with God. I'm going to say that again. Some of you missed that. God wants to commune with us. God wants to fellowship with us. And prayer is where we have fellowship with God. But it's the most neglected exercise in the Christian faith. And I'm preaching to me. I mean, I guarantee you one of the hardest things that we do is finding time. And we ought to, you know, we've got all these labor-saving, time-saving devices. And we are slaves to the devices. You know, everybody's probably seen the picture, you know, of some alien walking around. And they said, don't worry about it. You know, he's talking to the other alien. And he says, nobody will bother you. Just look at them. And they're all walking around with their cell phone. You know. They don't have a clue what's going on. But the point of this, y'all, we struggle more to pray than anything else that we do. I don't know if you're like me, but you probably are. Anybody ever got down to pray and you, you set aside, okay, I'm, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to pray either this morning or, or maybe it's evening and I'm going to go in and I'm going to pray and... Uh, Maybe you had something you really wanted to talk to the Lord about, or maybe you just decided you wanted just to pray. And so you go into to your, your bedroom, or you go into somewhere where it's quiet and get away from everybody else. I used to, to, to go on walks. As a matter of fact, one of the places I used to pray the most was uh, riding my bicycle. And uh, I'd, I'd take off down a trail, and, and I did five miles, and I'd, I'd pray pretty much the whole time. And, but somewhere where you, you've got where you can get alone, you can pray, and, and you get ready to pray, and what you do is you just start off at, you know, it sounds really good, and you, you know, Father in the name of and, and you just begin to pray, and you just rattle off everything you can think of, and you're, man, I know I've bound to have prayed a long time, and you look at your watch, and it's been three minutes. And you're already going. Now what do I pray for? I don't remember what the Wednesday night prayer requests were. What do I pray for now? <laughs> if it's late at night and you're starting to pray, I used to tell people, I guarantee you the devil will make you sleepy. If you can't sleep, we'll just, you know, get down, get on your knees and start to pray. You'll probably wake up on your knees. 
you know. But the point is, y'all, we struggle to be able to really spend time in prayer. So in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9 through verse 13, Jesus gives us some understanding about prayer. Matter of fact, we're told in the book of Luke, I believe it's chapter 11, his disciples actually asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. And this was Jesus' response to that. Now, I want you to understand something. This was never meant to be just something to be recited. How many of you did, you know, when you were a kid? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen. Bless mommy and daddy. And okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you jump in bed. It was never meant to be just something out of rote and just reciting it. Jesus was a rabbi, a teacher. And Jesus gave a rabbinical model prayer. What does that mean? That means that it was meant to be an outline for how to pray. So let, let's do this. Let's read this together. I want you to read it as I start. I want you to out loud read this with me. If we can bring that up, Jeff, please. And uh, we'll read this together. And he said unto them, pray with me. When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in earth, so in heaven. In earth. Give us our daily bread, and forgive us our debts. I can't read it, y'all. Keep going. Okay, that's good, Jeff. That's good. I couldn't read it, and it was it was throwing me. But I'm gonna read it to you because this is the one I memorized, and I, this is the King James. And that's the one I hear, heard some of you trying to recite. And I was doing the same thing in my head. So it's my fault. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As it is in heaven, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts or sins as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen so this is an outline uh, if somebody's got to start by reciting that praise God at least they're starting but it was meant to be an outline and like I said this isn't something that 
I'm trying to tell y'all, and, and I've never done it on those <laughs> on that bicycle trail. Whether I'm praying at home, wherever, wherever I'm at, when when I'm beginning to struggle to really pray, this is where I start, and I still do this. So I, I'll just begin to pray. So. What does it look like if we're actually going to use this as a model, as an outline for us? Well, he starts off and he says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, hallowed is a word that means praised, glorified. In other words, when you come to God and you're starting to pray, you know, start off with praise. I mean, it, just begin with that. And, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, do, do something on purpose. One of my favorite phrases is, you know, <laughs> do something lest you do nothing. But, you know, do something on purpose. <clears throat> Amen? Yeah. And he said, you know, hallowed be thy name. So when you start to pray, you know, just, just begin to just worship him. Father, on purpose, I just worship you. I, I know I'm in my pajamas, or <laughs> I know I'm just walking around, you know, out in the park, or or what I'm. But Lord, you know, on purpose, I'm just going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to glorify your name, Lord. I worship you. Just spend some time just praising Him. I mean, the Bible says God inhabits the praises of His people. The Bible also says praise stills or stops the avenger, and the avenger is Satan. I mean, you won't just stop the devil in his tracks no matter what's going on. Just start praising God. I can't think of a better way to start, pray, start praying than, than just to begin just to worship God. So, you know, hallowed be thy name. And then he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth <clears throat> as it is in heaven. Well, what's God's will? You know, there's been all kinds of sermons and I've heard people say some of the silliest stuff. Well, you can't know what God's will is. Well, that's only because you haven't read the Bible. God's written word is God's will. This is God's will right here. It's God's will that none should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. God's will is health. God's will is healing. <clears throat> God's will is peace. And all we got to do, you know, what do, I, what do I do about finding God? That's a whole other sermon, but, you know, how do I find God's will for my life? I don't know what God wants me to do with my life. Well, you know, start with the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou, you know, the first one, have no other gods before me. <clears throat> you know, I, the written word is God's will. It's God's will for sin to be destroyed. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's God's will for people to come into His kingdom. So, I mean, I, I'll start off a lot of times and I'll just start praying, Lord, I know it's Your will to heal. I know it's Your will to save and especially salvation, Father. And I begin just to lift up people. And I don't know about you, but I've got people in my own immediate family. And, and then uh, <clears throat> you get into, you know, just your, your, your kin folks. 
And that's just people that are related to you that I know are lost. I know that if they don't get saved, they're going to split hell wide open. And I begin to pray for them. And I'll just lift them to the Lord. Now, just mentally to yourself, how many of you can, can think of about three people that you know who aren't saved? Yeah. How many of you can think about ten people you, don't, you know that aren't saved? How many of you can think of twenty people you know that aren't saved? I still see Hannah. Y'all, <laughs> you start lifting those names before the Lord, I guarantee you, you've gone over three minutes praying. I'm not trying to get on a time limit. There is no such thing. There's, there's, no, there's no set thing where God says, thee must get up at four in the morning and thee must pray two hours. No. But God wants to fellowship with us. And we're starting out, and we're, we're just following an outline. And we're just talking about Him, about the things that are His will and what He wants. So we begin to pray over them. And then you start praying about this world. And, and actually, if, if a lot of times when I get to this point in the, in the outline and I'm going to pray for His will to be done on earth, I'll just say, well, Lord, you know, one of the first things you told us to pray for in, 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 the, God, in, the, in the, the, the epistles is you said to pray first of all for kings and for those that are in authority and you know that their hearts would be in your hand as a stream of water you turn whatever direction you want y'all we just need to follow the outline and, and we got a lot to pray for praying for his will and if you're praying for his will you notice he said for your kingdom to come and there's a whole lot that could be unpacked in that. But y'all, Jesus Christ will. You could use the word shall. Absolutely, it'll happen. Set up a physical, earthly kingdom. That's what the early disciples, when Jesus was born in this earth, thought he was going to do at that time but the first thing he had to do was go to the cross and pay for our sins when he comes the second time and scripture says it over and over and over again it's in Acts chapter 1 it's in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians it's in Peter it's in the book of Revelation and it's all through the gospels a theme that Jesus is going to come again and when he does he's going to set up what the Bible says as a thousand year reign and this earth is going to be able to see what is it really like when there's righteous, godly rule. Boy, what a thought that the actual government that's governing this entire earth is actually going to govern out of righteousness. And we're going to be involved in it. So it's coming. It's going to be after a seven-year period of tribulation, but it is coming. And I don't know about you, but anymore I think God is really stirring believers to pray, Lord, oh Lord, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, th then he hits this part and he says, give us this day our daily bread. Well, I don't know about you, you know, I... I I, I tease sometimes. I say, you know, man shall not live by bread alone. He must have peanut butter. 
sometimes I think this man shall not live by bread alone, he must have bacon. <laughs> no, but seriously, you know, we think of the, the natural bread. And, and certainly, you know, it's, it's, it's good, it's fine, it's, it's all right, and you should. <coughs> you know, Lord, supply my needs. Lord, and, and it's, it, it may be literally a loaf of bread. It may mean, you know, the, the, the taters and the fried okra and the, and the fried chicken that goes with it. Amen. You know, but whatever it is, that's, yeah, I know, it, you're probably already getting hungry. How many of you missed breakfast? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, that's okay. I've only got 12 more points. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But seriously, you know, ask God, Lord, supply the needs that I have. How many of you noticed that gasoline's not a dollar sixty anymore? It may be gasoline, but that all just applies within this. To pray for the things that you need, whether it's you know, it may be praying for a job so that you can. Supply the physical needs. It may be whatever it is. God will supply it. Amen. We've heard testimony. I mean, God will even supply. If you made a missions pledge, God will supply that. Amen. He'll pay a debt for you that you couldn't pay. Amen. But it's not only that. It's the spiritual bread. Jesus said that He was the bread of life. His Word is our manna that we need daily. You may hear the greatest sermon on Sunday. It was awesome. It was wonderful. But seven days without reading your Bible will make one week. W-E-A-K. Amen? So, uh, y'all, we, we need daily something from His Word. And His words alive. So give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts or sins as we forgive our debtors or those that sin against us. Now, I want you to notice if you're following this outline, you've already been praying for a little while. You've already been, you've already been before the Lord. You've been worshiping. You've been in His presence. You've been you've already talked to him about the lost you've talked to him about his kingdom and you've already talked to him about the needs that you have and now you're coming and you're saying and Lord you know uh, Father forgive me and there may be something and I've heard people pray that way and I'm not saying that it's wrong necessarily to say Lord you know if, if there's anything where I've stumbled or, or I've done something inadvertently or I've you know I knew I should have done something good and I didn't do it to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it's sin. You know, whatever it is, Lord, forgive me for that. But y'all, you... I, I don't know any other way to say this, but just... You really don't need to start off every time you come to the Lord in prayer. Or let's put it this way, you should not have to start off every time you come to the Lord in prayer with, oh, God, forgive me. I'm so wretched. God, I'm just so awful. I'm just, uh, uh, Lord, I know I'm just an old sinner. 
Now, why should it be like that? Because you were a sinner. You got saved by grace and according to God's word, now you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, I want you to understand, I... Y'all, God wants us delivered from sin because the wages of sin is death. And physical death is involved with that, but spiritual death is the ultimate result of sin. And God doesn't want us in sin so we don't have any fun or these pleasures that are in life. You know, the Bible itself says there's pleasure in sin for a season. And then it's kind of like a bounce trap or a rattlesnake. I guarantee you it'll bite you. And it'll destroy you. And God's saying to us and wants us to understand, no, you don't need to live in sin. But if you've been born again and you're filled with God's Spirit, and I mean, you, you, know, you get up early in the morning and you've been asleep and not dreaming bad dreams and you get up and you get in the presence of God and... You know, you begin to open your Bible and you begin to read your Bible. And if the very first thing out of your mouth is, Oh God, forgive me. What are you asking forgiveness for? We should not have such a strong consciousness of sin that it just overrides everything else. Because if you're just nothing but self-conscious, sin-conscious and just, you know, oh, I'm just, I'm just no good. I, I'm just so rotten. And, and, and oh, God, I don't know how you can do anything with me. How are you ever going to believe, number one, for healing in your own body? How are you going to believe for somebody else to get saved because of your prayers? The, the fervent prayer of the righteous is effectual. And God's trying to get across to us I really believe that we don't need to constantly live in a sin consciousness. We, we need to live more in a consciousness of man, I'm righteous, not by me, certainly not by my own efforts and my own work, but through the blood of Jesus Christ. And God hears my prayers, God loves me, and God's got something to give to me. And if I pray for something, it's going to come to pass. I'm gonna find if if you do have sin, you better get it under the blood. And it'd take me a whole another sermon, probably series, to go into some things that need to be said about that. But if there is sin in your life, ask forgiveness for the sin. And shut the door on Satan. Amen. glory second part of what he said is to forgive those who have wronged us and just a little bit in the next few verses that we did not read yet but if you read just a little bit further Jesus says that if we forgive our father which is in heaven will forgive us if we do not forgive, we will not receive forgiveness. And y'all, that's not Wilson, that's God talking. And that's strong. 
But I've learned this. And I think sometimes we really kind of forget that. When you're walking around with unforgiveness, and you just don't understand what they did to me. It doesn't matter. That doesn't mean go sit and let them keep doing it to you. Whatever it was. But you forgive them. Because unforgiveness is like hitting your own hand with a hammer and glaring at the person that hurt you and saying, doesn't that hurt? Doesn't that hurt? And hit your hand again. <laughs> okay, some of you, that'll hit you on the way home. Get it, hammer, hit you. The Lord then says, lead us not into temptation. Number one, we want God to lead us so that we're able to escape temptations. And there's a process in temptation. It's not a sin to be tempted, it's a sin to fall to temptation. But you're asking God for guidance. And you're asking God to lead you. And y'all, the number one way God's going to lead you is through His written Word. I mean, you know, the Bible tells us, you know, to just, you know, shun the very appearance of evil. Matter of fact, there's some things, you know, where the Bible talks about how we fight the devil. And there's other places the Bible says, flee youthful lust. Flee. I mean, just, there's some things run from it. Amen. Remember Joseph? You know, the... Potiphar's wife in that incident what did he do did he give her some sort of uh, theological apologetic sermon no he took off and ran sometimes you better just run amen but we're asking God to lead us we're asking God to, to, to guide us and you know if you ask God for guidance he'll, he'll lead you I, I could go into all kinds of long stories I'm real good at making a short story long but that'll hit you on the way home. But, you know, we were being led by the Spirit as we planted a church in the Woodlands, Texas. Uh, we were led by the Spirit when we pastored a church in Dublin. Uh, you know, we were led by the Spirit when we went into world missions. We were led by the Spirit when, when we launched a church called Full Life Fellowship. And God will lead you. God will guide you. And sometimes he uses the Holy Spirit. Like what we experienced this morning. Where there was the, the gift of unknown tongues. And then there was the gift of interpretation. God, God will use those gifts and others. To lead us and to guide us. It will never disagree with his written word. You know. Kind of like I, I think I've told that story before. I mean you know there's the missionaries driving down a mountain road. And God. Just, I mean, it was just a, an inner prompting of the Holy Spirit. You know, get in the other lane. And I mean, it was just that fast. And he just swerved over into what would have been the wrong lane for him to be in. And here come this truck coming right at him, out of control, going down the hill. And if he'd have stayed in his lane, he'd have wound up head-on collision. There's times we need to listen to the Lord. Amen. Deliver us from evil. 
You know, the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. And I think a lot of people stop right there and just yell, I'm I'm being scriptural, I'm afflicted. But the second half of that verse is, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Y'all, we live in a fallen world. But we can believe God for deliverance. Y'all, you can look it up when you get home. Acts chapter 12, I believe it is. Peter is in prison. And I mean, Peter is so much at peace, he's just asleep. And he's chained to two guards. And the angel wakes him up. And I mean, the angel has to just get almost kind of rough with him and wake him up. And And then he comes to himself and goes, wow, I really am out of there. I'm not asleep. And he goes to where he knew that they would be, the, the church would be gathering. And sure enough, here they are, they're in a prayer meeting, praying for Peter to get out. And that's a whole other story, which is awesome. But, but the point is, is, you know, pray for deliverance from evil. And y'all, there's a lot of evil in this world. Whether it's disasters or whether it's people. And then he closes it and he says, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I'm not going to labor this part of it. But you need to understand something. You start off prayer with praise and just worshiping God. And then you close your prayer with worship. And just thank Him for answering the prayer. And giving Him praise. The Lord, I know You've heard me. I know You've heard me. It's a model. It's an outline. And I don't know if that... Something you've never seen before or heard before. But it's something I've done for a long time. And it's kind of like me telling you, you know, I'm going to say a Bible confession because I need it. I'm going to do this because I need it. And I need to have that fellowship with God. Won't you stand with me if you would? If you're here this morning, and I talk as much as I felt like I could emphasize it this morning. But if you know you've got sin in your life, and there's even the shadow of a doubt, am I really saved? There's a whole lot of times we can have a religious experience. We can have even, we can come under conviction. But yet nothing changes in our heart and in our spirit. When you really get born again, Jesus Christ comes in, changes you, your very desires change. Your entire heart changes. And if you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want you to come this morning. And I want to pray with you. You can come at any point in this altar call. And you can come and I'll pray with you. 
But yes, it's Because we need, just as we sin publicly, we need to receive it publicly. And at any point, you can come. And I'll pray. But we've gone all the way through the Lord's Prayer. And y'all, the only way that we're going to make it. What's going to grow our church is prayer so that we do have the presence of God. And we need to spend that time in fellowship with God. And I'm going to give an invitation that we all are welcome into this altar this morning. Come on. 